Hey guys, this is Jordan, your show host, and also one of the founders of the Tribe Mastermind. I just wanted to give you guys a little shout out to let you know that we got something special going on with Tribe Mastermind. This is a high level mastermind for property management entrepreneurs that are interested in talking about the big picture. Yes, most certainly business, the tactical, the strategic, but also the big why behind why we're on this journey together. So if you're interested in learning more about Tribe, what this mastermind looks like, you can get more details at tribemastermind.com. Check it out. Love to see you there. I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. Ladies, gentlemen. Boys and girls. We are, uh, we're having a, a moment here right now. I am in the studio with my brother, my Paisano, and my business partner, Alex Osnenko. The date is April 16, 2019. Couple of days before the PM Grow Summit, the the third of the events that we have put on, and uh, we're kind of having a moment here, man. We're here to talk about this journey that you've been on, and this journey that is taking a new page and a new chapter that's about to to kick off, man. So first thing I gotta ask you is, where's your head at, man? We're we're about to, right about to go into PM Grow, and you got a lot going on how, how you feeling in this moment well my wife is in the presidential suite right now in the hotel pm girl hotel getting ready and i'm here with, and with i me. wouldn't be any other place because i think i think we owe i say we because i feel like a lot of people um will call you when something happens to me and they call me when something happens to you. I can't tell you how many times I got congratulated on the benchmarking study. <laughs> For the record, I had nothing to do with it at all. It was like, you guys did a great job on the benchmarking study. I'm like, at, at one point, I just started say, saying thank you. You got to embrace it. Like, what, what am you, I going to do? You totally like, got to embrace wasn't it. Me. It wasn't me. Like, I, was, I was near it. Yeah. I was near it. Yeah, so anyway, and, and so yeah, I think, I think we owe some... We have some answers to some people, and we're gonna give it in due time. See, the hat is about an inch, so let's let's do a quick uh, let's get into salute. it. Clinky clink. To me. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get right into the heart and soul mm. of it, man. How's that? Uh, what do we got here? What, what do we oh, drink? Let's just go call it out. It's Lindemann. Lindemann strawberry mm. lambic beer. It's there's a lot of complexity there. It's a little sour. It has it has. All kinds of flowery, mm, mm. Uh, but also also a little little IPA heart in it. There's a little bit of hoppiness in there, just 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 plain plain in your taste buds, trying to like show up, right. but it's not overwhelming. Anyway, uh, recommend it. But so let let's get into the meat of things. Um, you ask a hard question. I'd say my head is floating right now, and I would say this is the best and worst time of my life. Literally. And part of the reason why I have a pimple on my nose is like I think the best and the worst they sort of collided and mm. just took him out this way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it's it's just a, it's it's very um, um, stressful time. I can I can feel that when rebirth involves death, 
you got to walk low before you can experience the newness of uh, the new thing. And the truth is that there's always a price to be paid for change. There's always be a price to be paid for pursuing the next thing and kind of letting go of what's safe and comfortable, no matter how good and safe and wonderful that thing is. True, but you know, this is this is very true. Um, and so I'm living it right now and you know, you walk into the office where I'm no longer the CEO of the company that I founded and been at for seven years. And you know, I can't tell you how much love and appreciation and connection and brother brotherly feeling, sisterly feeling I have towards the the team. Like I, I you know, I grew them, I hired them, I handpicked them and they stuck with me. And so it's very difficult to see them not yours anymore, right? They're, they're, still, they're still their own people, and I think it's better for them too, right? We, we do have a great leadership in place, and we'll discuss this you know, in due time, but um, I, think, I think me taking my position away from where it's at today provides a lot of lift and opportunity for um, folks who've been working very hard just didn't have space to go, right? Step didn't up. have space to grow, correct. Like they were ready to be to step up, but they, they there was no space. I think I freed up some real good space for folks to step up. John stepped up, Michael Washington stepped up into the CEO role, and then we have the whole like young leadership. We'll talk about what's gonna happen to the property management show podcast. That's gonna be that's a very interesting concept we, we worked on. It's going to be executed. Um, it's going to be innovative and it's going to sort of, I think it's going to take this industry into yet again, a very innovative and new space, but we can, we can, we can table that for a moment. So let's have another, before we, before we get there, before we go all the way and all that, let's just, let's back up. Let's get clear on what we're talking about. You've had a journey in this space. You've built the company and you've been at this for what? Five, six years, seven Seven and years. four months. Seven years and four months, right? Give the man his full due. In that seven years and four months, you've accomplished a lot. But back on day one, at the very beginning, what was it? Who were you? How'd you get into this? How'd this thing get kick, kicked off? Take me back to day one for a moment. Ass backwards into it, right? Fell ass backwards. So literally couldn't find a job in uh, 2007, was it nine? I can't remember. Things came crashing down. The software sales did really well, got laid off. The only company was hiring propertyware. And they were growing like crazy because during the economic slowdown, property managers do really well. And, pr and propertyware sold to property managers. So that was the only company that was growing. I got paid by half of what I was worth, but I took the job because I couldn't sit at home for another, another month, another week. Wonder what's going to happen. You're a married man with a family at this point. Uh, I was a married man with no family at this point. But a married uh, man nonetheless. Married man nonetheless. I had a house. Like early on, I understood the importance of real estate. So this is this is the one thing in the Bay Area. Is this something you get into? And if you don't pull everything you have, like you're talking about, people some crying like, oh, 35 percent of my income going to mortgage, 15 percent. 90% of my income will go into mortgage. 90%, bro. You do what you have to. Like, you do what you have to and you scrap around. Like, my brother lived downstairs because we wanted to own a house. My brother lived downstairs. We remodeled the places we were living in. And, you know, you have to hustle. 
And in the middle of it, you know, I'll lose my job. It was really bad. So, you know, six months, got a dog, got sad, whatever. Uh, property we're hiring, went to work for property where, got to know property management. And from there, went to Apolio for, for two and a half years or something, um, something near to that. And um, did a lot of um, talks at Narpom, like on, on social media and stuff. And people always line up and ask me, like, hey, um, we need help. Can, can you do this for me? I'm like, no, I'm a portfolio employee. I can sell you software. They're like, we already have it. Uh, we just need help with social media and marketing. I'm like, I don't do I don't know. Like, I knew enough to present, right? Yeah. I knew enough. Like, a, And then I started, just, I just, I just, what I did is, what all I did is I started listening to podcasts. Like, Marcus Sheridan was the guy that I sort of connected with. On Like, he was my... Um, he was who he spoke the truths I wanted to believe and his truths are answer your customer questions you will do really well like that's it you ask the answer right they have here's a book now you ask the answer you gotta um, I mean they ask you answer excuse me you gotta go it's the it's the wine talking the beer um, but you gotta go pick it up it's it's the concepts that I believed in and I said okay what if we what if we actually applied to actual businesses? So I went in the business of property management marketing and I applied market shared and concepts and they worked. They worked really well because nobody was doing it. Right? You didn't have to have 15 blogs. You don't have to be Explosion. good life property management. You don't have to be Steve Rosenberg. You didn't have you don't have to be Brad Larson and have the your crazy BDM guy uh, do the dojo setup like to get attention. No, you just had to Talk to people what the evictions were all about, right? You had to talk to people on what what it meant to hire a property manager. And it worked. Worked, worked, worked really well. And from there, we built the company. Fast forward to now. What's the company look like today? Well, how about we fast forward to about 18 months ago? All right. Here's, here's what's happening. We got 2018 fastest growing company, um, Inc. 5000. Okay, so meaning 40% year-over-year growth. Right. Okay, breakneck. Like, you know, without a lot of funding, that's this is a lot to take on. And and I don't know, some of you may grow faster and, and may think that 40% a year is not enough, but you try that for five years in a row, like you end up with a convoluted mess of processes, systems. You just grow, right? You grow and... When you have a problem, what do you do, Jordan, when you grow like that? You throw dollars at the problem. You throw people at the problem. Hey, you know, this, we have the info sheet system where we collect all customers' information and we put info sheets and they get outdated. New fields are created. There's no, there's nothing universal about, there's no like way to do a proper search in a proper field because every, like we've sort of, um, uh, evolved that info sheet over time and then so it looks different for every customer and all of a sudden that's a problem so there's no really true CRM so what do you do you hire more account managers <laughs> yeah right? hire more account mm. managers to be paying mm. more attention to those info sheets no you don't right. implement a new CRM system like Salesforce um, or something maybe back-end a ticketing system like Freshdesk no you don't um, at that time we just threw people at problems right and and so there come a time where 
this growth so it tapers off and we started like hitting 20% and then 15% and then we started stayed 15 20% right we we expecting to grow by about 20 this this year but when that slowdown happens that money is not coming in so what happens to all the people you've hired some of them started thinking about looking for the exit door no because you have a strong culture you have an amazing culture, you have an amazing unity, you do events together, you fight for every customer together, you, you're sick with desire to make customers win. What do you do? You can't fire people, so your payroll costs go up. Well, you can't fire people, but I wasn't gonna, because we were gonna grow into it, right? Grow into your payroll, right? You know, Danny talks about this all the time, labor efficiency, Absolutely. you guys wanna, you, you profit coach fellas wanna throw all kinds of metrics at us, the business owners, don't you? Yeah, some strawberry beer? Sure. Yeah. Hit me, hit me. Um, we want to see companies make money. There's no, no, sh no shame in no, that. No, no, no shame. But I choose to shame you because I can't, right? I couldn't at the time. And so, you know, not anybody's fault. Oh, my goodness. Told you, man. Wow. That, you. Was, that was quite, quite well, refreshing. I wasn't just playing for the camera. Quite refreshing. Uh, that see, I gave you a perfect hat. I have to wait for my hat now. Why do you call it a hat instead of a head? A hat. Because I like a hat. Hat, hat has multiple connotations. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. In the, in the parlance of our time. <laughs> fair enough. A hat, 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 is a hat may be a safer <laughs> reference. In any event, back to what's going on with dealing with the, the staff and the labor. So, yeah. you, so you become top-heavy with labor. Yeah, increasingly so. And then we realize, okay, we need systems. Am I a systems guy? Jordan, am I a systems guy? No. Thank you. You're a growth guy. Who is a systems guy? Mm. Errol Allen? There no. you go. Did we have Errol Allen running around back no. then? Back then. No. no. A year and a half ago, there was no Errol. There was no nobody. There was no process nothing. There was nobody. Right. right really, like, but it was EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System. I don't know how it came to it, but I, knew, I know that I read it a year ago, and I wish, like, hey, Man, I wish I could implement that. And so I tasked my leadership team about two and a half, three years ago to read the book and come back to me with what they thought. I don't think anybody read the book. Like, we were growing so fast. And, like, and I forgot about it. Like, we moved on. And so so when the time came when we needed it, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we had to, at the same time, build technology into the product. Because the last frontier of marketing is what it's the conversion point it's the ultimate piece where all the data everything flows into and it becomes either a win or mediocre or or loss right it's a website like we have to own that piece so we have to stand up a website as a product we have to integrate it with services services were shit right not in the delivery from a delivery perspective, but from organization perspective, like imagine if the store you go to looks really good and all the prices are there, everything's good, but the back room when you go in the warehouse, <laughs> just, the back room is like it's a hot it's mess. run by 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 uh, you know Peter Griffin. Okay, that, that's that's who run the, was running the back room for us, me, and so and so all of that needed. So needless to say, I lost a lot of sleep. I I I was gonna give up. I'm never going to give up, but I really wanted to. It was heavy, heavy spot. It was very heavy. It was very difficult. I cried. You know, we had good customers leave. We had great customers come back in. We had 
the latter situation, one of our part, one of our key partnerships fell out, and we had just a lot of things to deal with as an organization. I raised money to do this, uh, but at the end of the day, we came out of this a freaking um, just just a machine. Like I feel like I have a machine shop. Like right now, I walk on a shop floor, mm. and it's not mm. there is not a an iron piece anywhere. There's not a dust speck anywhere. It's just tight. Um, the, what we have going on now after this 18 months of this hell I went through, hell. But I burned myself out, bro. I've, I'm burnt out. Like, I've taken this. This this is, this is reminds me of, I know I'm talking too much, maybe, so, so tell me if, if I should stop. But when I had, um, I, my one of my first real jobs was a Radio Shack. Mm -hmm. And I was a store manager for five years. First three I was in a really good store. I turn it around. I have a big fat gold ring with a diamond for profitability. Like I, I got leadership lab. I won all the awards. I went all the nice trips, and I wasn't enough for some reason. Like there was another store in Belmont, which was forty minutes away. It was a big commute for me. That had a little bit higher potential. So my store was like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. This new store was one point one million, but it was a mess. It was just. There was theft in there. There was issues going on. There was just, and I took it. Like I was an idiot. Like I left my employees, and I took it. I took the store, and I went through remodel in that store. I went through hell, and I was gonna leave Radio Shack a year before I actually did, just because I wanted to finish the job. I needed to finish the job. I remodeled the whole store. I went through hell. Just imagine, like you're trying to be in retail, you're trying to sell stuff, and there's like, and they're stripping the popcorn ceiling. <laughs> Right, right. There's, there's just a little divider there, right? And, and but the way dividers getting installed is, the workers tell you, okay, we're gonna work on this section. So what do you do? You stay after hours and you reposition all the merchandise. Who knows where? Wow. Right? It's just it was just a nightmare, man. For a year, I've done that, and I feel I feel the same way. Like I've remodeled this company to a point. I've installed leadership and the team there right now. I can't say enough. I can't say some people just do lip service that stuff. Like, oh my team, oh my team. And when you when when you poke at it, it's like there's a little rot here. There's a little there's a little uh, you know there's issues there. There's people not working as hard. There's just people have their own self interest. Um, not in this case. All right, so l let's summarize. Here's what I'm hearing. <laughs> what I'm hearing. <laughs> you cut that out. <laughs> It was like a half an hour thing. All right, go ahead. What, Sorry. I, what I'm hearing is the Peter Principle, guys. You guys have heard of the Peter Principle, which basically says that you rise to the level of your own incompetence. You are a great lieutenant, world's best lieutenant, but you get, you get promoted to captain, you flame out. It wasn't for you, but there was this burden and this inertia to constantly promote. In your situation, you rose to the level of your own incompetence in terms of your ability to just manage purely by gut, purely just by just by raw feeling, presence, etc. And so the shift in the transition was invoking that need to truly go pro in a way that was bigger than Alex, in a way that involved actually having a professional management structure, really empowering the team with the tools that were going to be bigger than whether or not you're here or not here. Tell us about that tool set. If you're listening to this right now, I'm going to say 50-50 odds that you've heard about EOS. This is not an unknown concept. This is not an unknown tool set for entrepreneurs. A lot of folks have read the book. 
you read the book or your staff kind of didn't read the book, you were dabbling with it for a while, what was the inflection point for you to actually decide to go pro, realizing that there's probably multiple management systems or ways to manage? I mean, right? We're not, we're not here to like bow down and say, EOS is the only way. This is how I run my companies as well. But for you, what was the, the inflection point to really double down on this? And what did that, that journey look like? It's very simple. Those of you who are thinking about it, um, either you become an implementer yourself, which obviously I wasn't going to, because my job was an operation. My job was pushing business, and business was being pushed, right? But the operations needed systemization. They needed control. They needed new systems. They needed new processes. Um, and simply, it's it's hiring the right person, right? So for me, it was Michael Washington who came in with 24 years of Silicon Valley project management experience through Visa, PG&E, like big blue chip stuff. He's got deep theater background in New York, just very, very people uh, focused, yet project, like he, he is the unicorn, right? He's definitely a unicorn, but you don't have to have a unicorn. You just have to have a really good systems guy, girl. Systems girl, doesn't matter. You gotta have somebody systems oriented. And when they walk in, you give them the opportunity to take this all the way. And so when he read the book initially, it wasn't me or like I asked him to do it. He was like, this this is very similar to a lot of systems I'm used to that are big big companies that run. I can do this, I'm very excited about it. This is all organized, I understand this. There's metrics, we can, there's scorecards, there's mm -hmm. numbers. Mm -hmm. I can do this, Alex. I can do this. Let me be the integrator, let me implement mm. it. And then, so he ran, he owned it to a point where it was an obsession, right? Not not like, mm, I, I do it while we do something else. No, it's it's obsessively. It was committed. It was, it was obsessively uh, uh, in, invested into implementing the system uh, as quick as possible, which was incredible. So you have to you have to have that person. And look, John operates within that system right now, and he thrives and he's doing well. But John isn't the implementer. Michael is. And Did, didn't have the the Michael before. And for those that don't know, who who is John? And who is Michael, just roles-wise, title. So John stepped in as a new CEO. And I think he has that skill set, but he doesn't have the integrator skill set, which is Michael, which is now COO. And this, this, is the, this is the classic EOS balance. Correct. Is to actually have these, this balance between the integrator not necessarily being the same person as the CEO. Right. So you've made this transition. You've embraced a system that's bigger than just... Um, a guy with a dream and a vision, kind of cowboying this whole thing up. As you're integrating EOS, we're, we're skipping quite a bit. Like, I know this wasn't seamless. Like, walk me through some, some hiccups, some road bumps. I mean, one of the things has to be right out of the gate that you, regardless of Michael's enthusiasm, you as CEO had to choose to put yourself underneath this. Because if you don't, Nobody's going to take EOS seriously. If the CEO can still come in and just cowboy things, lasso it around, give out orders, say, oh, level 10 meeting isn't happening today, etc., it just doesn't work. So talk to me about that first, making yourself accountable to this framework. What does that look like? Well, in the first, it's the first meeting where you get rated by other employees. Mm. 
there's a name for it. I'm not good on names, but the first meeting is really where you have like coming to Jesus, getting feedback, coming to Jesus. I call it <laughs> because you come to Jesus and you are judged. You judge that by Jesus, but by the people of your organization, very honestly and structurally, by on on three categories, right? You know it, get it, can't can't do want it. it. Know it, know it, get it, want it. Yeah, know it, get it, want it. Yeah, and look, I got one minus. On on what specifically? On get it, the middle one, whatever. Um, people got minuses too, but. I didn't expect to. Like I thought I was invincible in the, you know, the oracle. And look, I got a minus and that was that was a little bit of a a wake up for me. And I think the I think the the message there is like look, you're running us ragged. You're running us ragged. We need systemization. We need to get a grip. Like let us operate. Like give us tools, give us systems, give us like not just clients. Give us ways mm. and systems to manage those mm. clients mm. and so that was that was a good realization and look um, um, at the end of the day for the last three quarters um, the first one I made some decisions the second I made less and the last one I made none like I just let my team figure out what you to created target. the space yeah what what to target? What what rocks? Meaning the most important things we're going to focus on for the next three months and the strategic direction. Strategic direction of the company has already been determined and agreed upon. So now they just have to sort of chop it up and, and, and go at it. But there's deviations, there are opportunities that we, we grab and whatever. And so I, I could be fishing three four days a week and still be called the CEO. But then I'm, my ass is in the seat, mm -hmm. taking space and air mm -hmm. from the company and the people and the opportunities from those folks, right? And I'm, I'm turning 40 in July, Jordan, right? That's not 30, 35. That's not a youngster. No, still, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I'm, I'm, tur I'm, turning, I'm turning 40, and it's, it's a very, um, it's, it's the, and some people laugh, like, I know you guys, some of you in the 50s, and I respect you and all that, but 40 is a big, big number. You're seven years with one company. You can fish three, four days a week. Do you do it? Do you take, do you, do you, do you go fishing? <laughs> hey, go no, fishing? no judgment if you do. No, hell, that's for you. Do you go fishing if you're me? Right? You don't. You, fishing needs to be an outlet, not the... The thing. Yeah, you know, the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm doing, although it's very competitive and there's a lot there, like I can't say nothing yeah, yeah, about this, the complexity this, of fishing. This is funny the example that you bring up because you are actually really into fishing. I am. I am. I am. I enjoy it not a lot, but I think I won't enjoy it as much. Like I need to be old and barely moving. Then it's a challenge. <laughs> right, bro? Like, like, when you have, like when you have to like, you know, move your, uh, I don't know, move your wheelchair you know, into, into a spot. You get and the it's a in the water. Yeah. Hell. You know, it needs to be a challenge for me. But, but you know, so, you know, I, there's a lot of complexity here, but it's also very, very simple. I'm a growth guy. I've been rattling this cage and rattling this cage, and this company does not need a growth guy right now. It doesn't need, especially it doesn't need a growth guy like me who already knows all the answers, mm -hmm. who already sort of like 
we can shortcut a lot of processes and and and, mm, and, and development, mm. right? And just tell them how it is. You in that way, you're kind of like a wrecking ball in many ways. Yep. Well, let's be honest, bro. Yep. Me and you both within our own companies. That is something. That, that is one of the times that I've really had to learn to become mature as an entrepreneur. When somebody brings something with great forethought and care and concern, and if I'm not on it and I'm not paying attention, I come in as a wrecking ball, and I'm like, eh, I don't like that, eh, I don't know about that, nitpick this, nitpick that. That's maturity to say, you know what, this person spent 10 hours preparing, crafting, shaping, working on this project, and I'm five minutes into a meeting Maybe it makes sense for me to actually like give some deference to, to the work that was done here. And that's a, that's a matter of, uh, of managing your ego and appreciating the craft and the discipline that goes into the various aspects of the work. EOS is obviously part of that structure, but at the same time, there's a, quite a bit of truth in the fact that when you're in that early phase of the business, that's what's needed. When you're in the early phase of the business, you can't have... 10 specialists you that that cowboy impulse that caused you to start it in the first place is actually incredibly highly value but it's really about the phase and the life cycle of the business fair i'm just smiling when you're saying this absolutely and so another thing i i, I begin to feel is atrophy Right, skill wise. Yeah, you you like to write copy. When was the last time you had a chance to really sort of spend a couple hours to <laughs> dig into the copy? Man, it's been a while, but you got me pegged. Yeah, I really enjoy writing copy. Yeah, yeah there's the thing. I'm a prototyper. That's who I am. I prototype. I enjoy proto. I don't enjoy produce. Like when it goes to production, that's somebody. Like I need somebody <laughs> else to take that. Like, but I'm I'm a builder, right? I'm a prototyper. Um, I think I think I can be. I think I could be really good at pr pr producing eventually later on. I'm just not that interested in it right now. Right. Like, I, I think I can be good at anything I put my mind to. Sure, I just don't of course. Want to, of right? course. I, I don't want it right now. Like, there's so much prototyping to be done. That's not what the universe is calling out of you. What the universe is calling out of you is to apply your unique ability. You and I are going to force anything through sheer will, grit, determination. But the reward for you and the organization you work for is focusing on unique ability, which mm -hmm. means that can't look like forcing things. Gary Keller, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, look, um, it's a very hard decision, very, very hard decision, but you gotta get up and make that decision. Not many could, right? And even less do, do, do it correctly. But, I, you know, uh, look, I, I've enjoyed <laughs> I built a website on Sunday. It took me a couple of hours to just whip it up, right? It's it's um, why and what dot how. So w you know h h y and then d w h a t dot how. You know, this is the questions why and what dot how. It took me a couple of hours, but I've enjoyed it tremendously. Like I haven't been I haven't been allowed to build anything for a while. Bro. Like I I feel I feel neglected. Like. <laughs> Like, I have a little consulting shingle that I'm hanging up right now. I want to think what I'm doing. I want to think where I'm yeah, going. Yeah, of course. So, so you know, I, have, I whip up this little website. Hopefully, you, you peg it in the show notes. People can course, click on it. Of it's, course, It's kind of a, um, out there. But it's just, it's simple one pager, but I've enjoyed it, man. Mm -hmm. Like I said in my garage, I'm on my rods, 
and fishing gear, mm -hmm. and I created. Mm -hmm. Right? I created. I put a wireframe together. I thought this through. Now I have people who do the wireframe. I have people who design. I have people like. I just I just submit a ticket to get something done. I don't want to submit a ticket. I want to do something. Mm -hmm. Right? Get your hands dirty. Right? And and that's that's one of the things. Like I don't need to be in people's way. I need to create my way. And this I'm, I'm I was getting in people's way. Like let's just be honest here. What's interesting to me, Alex, is thinking about this impulse and this inclination to think that the thing that I did to get where I am now somehow is no longer critical. The courage that I exerted to quit my job and start the business, to slog, to stay in it, to go live in mom's basement, that was critical then, but now that I've got the business up to a couple million dollars in revenue, I've earned the privilege not to have to exert that muscle anymore. What you're doing is essentially assuming the opposite. The business is up, it's stable, you've been through this recent challenge, you've installed EOS. Instead of backing down from that challenge and electing and say, I have earned the right to go fishing three days a week. Instead, what you're saying is, I have earned the right to go after the next challenge and to wade back into the chaos of something new. That's what's interesting to me about the decision that you made. There's no right wrong here, but you got to know your temperament and know where you're at. You were clear on what was going to work for you and you've acted on it. Nonetheless, I know there's got to be some fear, trepidation, Oh, well, tons of it, dude. Talk to me about wading through your own mental noise and chatter about wading into this decision. You wake up in the morning in a cold sweat. Like, you just wake up in the morning and you're like, what the hell have I done? Like, that's a first thought. It's been in my, on my, like, for the last month and a half or so. Like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Like, why? Like, what? what is it? And, and then when I wake up, I have this process now right I, I own my mornings and one of the way i own my mornings is i'm not steve rosenberg i don't I'm not, i don't go to the gym at 6 a.m i'm not that over kind of overachiever but i am um i am taking a very cold shower like i pull all the way cold and stay two minutes and be in misery and that's the worst part of my day you can't do anything to me beyond that that's physically painful that is that hurts that's very tough mentally it's very hard to sustain that then just try that. Right? It's difficult. And so when I get punched by the cold water in the morning, it's I snap right out of it. Like, I snap out of it. But before the shower, usually it's difficult. And before going to sleep, I read a book, so I, I really, it doesn't bother me. But throughout the day, it's the, it's what, what really gets me is the behavior of my people. They're not mine anymore, per se. But they're so close to me. Like, you worked for somebody for so many mm -hmm. years. They're my people. I still think of them as my people, but you can see the subtle shift. Shift, and and rightfully so. Like they need to understand who the new leadership is Shane and how command. to behave in it. And there's a new right. There's a new regime, and that's fine. But that's painful, and it's not their fault. It's not your fault. You're listening. It's not your fault. It's just it just is. But that's painful. That's change. That's change in the making. Other than that, I am. I have zero reservations about the decision um, mm -hmm. look um, a big deal for me was to give the people 
that are that deserve it, that are better than me at this point, the opportunity to shine. I needed to get the hell out of the way. If I'm wrong, we'll think. But I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this is gonna be this is gonna be one of the one of the good stories. And and at the end of the day, I'll make out like a bandit anyway. So what is what do I what does it matter? Hey, Daniel Craig here with Profit Coach. You've probably heard Jordan talk on the podcast about the NARPM accounting standards that we authored on behalf of NARPM. This groundbreaking initiative standardizes financial reporting for the property management industry, and we're committed to helping as many companies as possible get on the standard this year. If you'd like to get converted, we'd love to help with one of our two conversion packages. The first gets you converted on a go-forward basis only, and the second actually converts you on a historical basis going back two full years, and that comes with a comprehensive financial performance report that provides a deep-dive analysis of your financial performance in over 30 financial KPIs and compares your performance to key industry financial benchmarks. Go to pmprofitcoach.com forward slash NAS for details. And be sure to mention this ad for a special 10% off discount. That's pmprofitcoach.com forward slash NAS. So you made the decision not to get out 12 months ago though, all right? It would have been the easy route would have been to get out at this inflection point. Just, just leave. Just, just Where there was, walk yeah. away. Be sane. Be sane again. It was, it was insane times. But yes, you stuck it out. What? So, what was the cause for you to stick it out at that low point? It's not a quitter. Very, very simple. And it's not only me. Even if I had everybody not believing in me, I still wouldn't quit. But when everybody believes in you, when you have people that call your place home, they bring a paycheck. They bring a paycheck that feeds their family. Mm -hmm. You can't let them down. To me, it's that. Like I, I truly live by a definition, and I'm proving it by my move. But you know, happy employees make happy customers. Then those customers make happy shareholders. It follows. So it works. Just naturally, you have to live it. And so that's my that's how and, and living it is freeing up space. I need to go out and do other things. I, I, I can do some things. My my dream and my mission has changed. It shifted. Right? It was to show the property management businesses the, the, the fantastical opportunity you have in front of you. Like this recurring revenue business was fantastic. It was just, it was not very competitive. Very few people did it right. And it was just the right time to do it right. And I think we've, we're there. We're about you know, a few days from PM Growth Summit, a couple days. And man, folks going to gather. This is going to be one of the best group of folks to run this business. And they're going no to kill it, right? They're going to kill it. But I've proven what I needed to prove. You know what my next mission is? Tell me. My next mission is to make investors... Trust property management companies. My mission is to make property management one of the most respected professions in the uh, uh, scope of all other careers. My mission is to convert at least seven million of self-managing land, uh, landlords, self-managing uh, investors into 
property management customers for the next five years. Mm. I, I, I don't dream small. <laughs> Let me tell you why this resonates with me. So let's, let's re reciprocate on story time here. Way back in the day, I started a lead generation business called Manage My Property, creating leads, sending them out. I'm young, it's my first rodeo. My mindset is like, we got this server spun up in the cloud, send out leads, good luck with that, I'm gonna charge you for that lead. Gets pushback, you know, the leads are no good, had a rough go of it. The leads are weak, yeah. The, the leads are weak, classic Glen Gary, exactly, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. So we, after a couple of years, we decide, you know what, hey, maybe we could build a CRM to help people close the leads. We do some research, we figure out, people don't really follow up on the leads, we'll build a CRM. Do that for a while. You know, it's definitely um, a tough road to hoe in some ways. We think, hey, education, right? People got the leads. We got the CRM, but they're not clearing the sales process, that the lead gen, PM grow. We'll do some professional education, right? It's another way to help. Do that for a while, realize, hey, it's actually possible to grow and not make any money. No profit. Profit coach, we'll, get clear, we'll help you get clear in the finance side of things. Do that for a while, realize maybe you have no fellowship, we start Tribe Mastermind, maybe you have no formal sales process, start RentScale. But what I'm doing is I'm following the value chain to get to the end result for the customer, I see you doing the same thing here. You're kind of staying with it parallel concept, following the value, making sure that the end end consumer, because in our case, the end consumer is the PM, but the end end consumer arguably is the investor that the PM is actually servicing. So it's really interesting, the thread of thought that you're following here, it's a wide mandate. There's a million different directions that you could go to actually fulfill that mandate, right? You got everything from roof stock to um, to investor programs to everything in between. But the common thread here, I think for both of us, has been doubling down on asking how can I create the most value for the customer? For somebody watching this right now, for the PM, the person coming to PM Growth Summit that wants to learn some tips, some tools, some hacks, some strategies, what is your advice to that person on how to cut through the noise and to get to the heart of the issue? Start with why. Simon Sinek, right? Is this classic? This is what you and I have, what others don't is the why. It's the why of it, right? Your why is unprecedented, this is on the board right there, unprecedented value, right? I'm gonna, out deliver on value to a point where no one can stand up and compete with me. And I'm gonna do it in every possible discipline to help my customer win. Um, yeah, if there was a good company that helped with profit, you would partner with them probably, but there isn't any. So you build one, hmm? right? Difficult, tough, longer slog, a lot of investment, time to profit, time to, uh, time to you know, exit. Extend it, extend it, extend it. You just keep extending your time to exit, but at least, at least you're, you know, you are moving on the UI. You know, and my UI was big, and for a while, for a while, you know, I felt really good delivering on the UI. I felt really good. Pushed first podcast ever started. Like I know, I don't need to mention all the accolades, right? Boy, it's like people know me, people know who I am, people know my heart is pure. Like I was, I was there to do to deliver. Mm -hmm. 
and I didn't necessarily make any money doing it, which is okay. I made a good, I make a good living. I make a great living. Don't feel bad for me, please. I make a great living. But point is, <laughs> um, the mission has shifted from under me, and I, and I sort of, I only caught it about a year ago. I'm like, look, like we're all looking, we're all looking in this bloody ocean right now for for more fish. When there's like whole this blue thing out there. Like all these others that don't hire property managers, you know, Kevin Ortner put in a really good way. He said three reasons people don't hire property managers. I agree with him. Uh, one is generational uh, slant. You know, older people tend to be DIYers, right? Um, but at the end of the day, the last two is fixable, right? It's, uh, you know, we don't communicate value very mm. well at all. Mm. And the, the trust, the industry has lost the trust over the years and years of neglect. So that could be made up. And so I, f I firmly think that the next mission for me is to regain that trust industry-wide. How am I going to do it? I don't know yet. I don't have the answer to that yet. Mm. But my why and what, that mm. how website is up. Mm. If, you, if you know, hit me up. But that's the thing. Either I'm going to do one property manager at a time with 300 customers, or I'm going to do it property manager with 10,000 customers. I don't, I don't know yet, but I'm going to do it. That's where I'm going. And in the process, you're wading into the abyss, wading into the chaos. Yet again. To figure out what's next, how. There's two ways to do this, Alex. One option is to say, it's gotta have a bow on it. All the questions have to be answered. It's the perfect opportunity, served up on a silver platter, perfectly explained, no risk, no downside, and just wait for that. Wait for that ship to come in. The other way is to say, I am compelled. My values, my heart's desire is, is compelling me in this direction. I'm gonna figure out the details. I'm gonna pick option A, option A falls through, I'm gonna pick, pick option B, option B falls through, I'm gonna go for option C. That's what I appreciate and respect about what you're doing. It's not a comfortable place to be, but it's the place that's going to give you the passion and the fuel to wade through the day-to-day. -day. Because the truth is, it's all hard. You pick a small op, it's hard. You pick a big op, it's hard. You might as well go after the thing that you have belief in, you have conviction about. You know, you asked one thing on how people who are still with us still watching, still standing near their stairs, about to walk their dog home, but want to listen, finish the, this interview before they walk home and get all the craziness with the kids and all that. Like for that person who's standing out there uh, um, and waiting for this, uh, for, for the value, big ass value to drop, I'll say it's, I'm just not afraid. Hmm. I'm not afraid, man, I was poor. I was very poor. Um, I don't give a, uh, you know, I, I just don't. Like, I I look at where I live right now every evening I come come to my house, come back home, and I'm grateful. Like, I can't, like, I can't believe it mm. that I live in this place. Like, I don't need a palace. This is a palace. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm very grateful for who I am, but I'm also not afraid because I can go back and, like, Seneca and... And I'm, I'm into this sort of philosophy stuff and um, stoicism. And stoicism and it's basically stoicism teaches um, people how to deal with hard, difficult 
circumstances of life, yet persevere, perform, build, move people. Um, you know, a lot of famous people, obviously, um, uh, that's how they lived. But um, bottom line is, be thankful for what you have and not, don't be afraid. What do I got? What, what do I have to fear, man? I got, I, you know what? You want to go work for McDonald's? I go, I go build best burgers there, there will be. I'll build the best, I'll be the best line cook they have. I'll do it. I'll do it too. And I'll do it well. Right? I'll do it until I get to the store manager. I, I, I don't care. Not afraid. And I think that's what a lot of us are missing. We get, you, you, you know, you put in 250 in your pocket. Right? You put in 250 in your pocket. You manage your 500 properties. And it's just risky, right? Investments are risky. Like you open up real estate hmm. sales division, you're like, yeah, I have to, you know, I, I, have to I have to skim off of that thing. Like, yeah, but I have a Porsche, you know, or I have this obsession with, I don't know, um, Italian art, whatever, whatever it is you into. Um, you know, that's your choice. But others, don't be, don't be mad. Or don't be disappointed when within the next five years, there'll be hungrier people right behind you eating your food. It, it will be the case. That's what's going to happen. This business is very attractive. It's very delicious. People's going to want it. People's going to want to get into it. Hungrier people will get into it. Mm -hmm. And hungry people are forced to reckon with, especially, you know, intelligent and doers. And so, you know, um, that's a choice we all make. We get held up in our habits and mm. our and how we how we decide that we need to live and we deserve this and all that none of this enters my vocabulary I, I don't deserve shit i earn it and if i don't i'm gonna go poor and i'm gonna be okay with that beautiful beautiful thank you the immigrant story that you just i didn't bring that up by the way i didn't bring the, that up the immigrant story is the story of America, is the story of capitalism, is the story of the disadvantaged and the underserved and the underprivileged with a greater hunger and drive and that survival instinct overtaking the incumbent, overtaking entitlement. Whatever your starting point is, their advantage will always be competed away. There's always somebody that's coming after you and the brightest and the best, it's not about not being afraid, it's about being afraid and doing it anyway isn't that is that not the definition of courage you're still afraid you just choose to, to i'm not it. afraid to make a decision but you heard me admit that i don't sleep i have i have i have reservations this is fear but don't let it inside your heart right keep it outside keep it keep it as a veil um but don't be afraid to make a decision um once you make a decision and announce it then then things are okay. But I'm just saying, if, if, if people, you know, if people want to play golf or, you know, 10 hours a day, you know, whatever. No problem. That's the choice. But just make sure that your, it. your home is protected yeah. while you're playing golf. Yeah. Because somebody's out there to take it. Guaranteed. This business is hot and it will continue to be so. Somebody's going to be out there hungrier, better, leaner, stronger, smarter. Mm -hmm. Don't complain. Don't complain. Build a moat. A moat is, sorry to interrupt, but one last thing. Moat is serving your customer 
all of their real estate investment needs. Undeniable. Right? That's your moat. If you just have a property management company and you're horseback riding, you know, at say, you know, 30 hours a week, sorry, you're not, you haven't done enough to protect the business. There is, there's a, there's a John, there's a Jim, there's, there's Susie, there's somebody out there disrupting you. And it will, because they're hungry and they're ready. And they can do cheaper, because they have system, they have, they have, they've invested in technologies, they have done things. That is how it is. Mm -hmm. Sleep in their car, whatever it may be. Correct. There's always an advantage Correct. To Not that. afraid. They have nothing to lose. Here's what I want to explore in the back half of this interview. To do justice to the future, oftentimes, is to do violent to the present. <laughs> Interesting. Is to put a knife in the back of the status quo. And if you're staying with the status quo, in many ways, that's what it can feel like. What I want to hear from you is what it is like to be put in a position where the future that you have chosen can be interpreted as doing an injustice to those folks that are not necessarily going to be in that journey with you. You've assessed your own heart, your own intention, your own commitment to these people, the team that you've built. You've stayed through. You didn't bounce out when it was easy 18 months ago. You stayed through, but nonetheless, all that isn't necessarily seen or fully appreciated in the fog of, of change. And yet, Crimea River. As a leader, cry me a river. You stepped up and you chose this role from day one because you were willing to take it without excuses and without having anybody else to blame and that hasn't changed as you leave. Walk me through the psychology of doing what's right for somebody else even when that other person doesn't necessarily recognize it as such. Right here. It doesn't matter what they recognize or they don't. You know, I hope they do. You know, sometimes I count that they do, but I don't expect them to do it. It doesn't matter. I don't do it for them, although I am. I do it for me in a way that I'm, it's my life's purpose. Number one is to be a good human being and figure out how to win ruthlessly in business by being a good ethical human being. But I'm ruthless when it comes to business, right? But I can't, I'm not going to jeopardize or ever put my values on a line but everything else is a fair game so if I can bend if I can mold if I can press if I can heat up a little bit here if I can put a blowtorch to this if I can if I can mold it in anything somehow where it resembles to what I want to do I'll do it I'm not saying skirting the line between ethics that's never going to be the case but skirting the line between getting somebody upset look yeah, there's some people upset that I left four and a half. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is, but it's it's entitlement. It's the it's the notion of entitlement. It's a notion of, hey, we're gonna have this forever. You know, no, I'm not the right person to run the company. Yes, you better accept who this person is now. Yes, it's gonna work great. You will see. Today, I'm not gonna be able to convince you or give you any more except to say, look, this is my decision, respect it or not. That's your choice and I will support you even in that choice. Mm -hmm. But I will not move on ethics, I would not move on values 
and my overall why and the big mission. Mm -hmm. My big mission is shifted mm -hmm. and I'm moving towards it. Mm -hmm. So I have to say, there's just not, not there's really nothing more there. I, I can't make everybody happy. Four and a half. The reason that name came out, you know that white, right? Four and a half is the definition of a business philosophy and my life philosophy is you can't make everybody happy. Spreadsatura. Four and a half out of five. There's going to be a percentage of people who are going to be unhappy about you. Now, if you are dumb and everybody's unhappy about you, <laughs> right? And you're, then, then one and a half. It's, it's, yeah, one it's and a half. half. Like, it's <laughs> time to, to look at things and stop being an idiot. Uh, but as long as you are true to your purpose, the why is clear, and you're moving towards it, and, and look, some people are like, look, I, I, I appreciate their concerns very much so. I, I, I ache with them. Trust me, I do. It's very difficult. But I'm not going to stop. So when, so when you're hearing this, those of you listening at home, you're thinking, oh, yeah, interesting novel. Next time I leave my company, I'll keep that in mind. It's not about just leaving the company. It's about letting that key team member go that needs to go. It's about getting off of managing that aspect of the business that you don't have the juice with, but you're guilting yourself into overseeing. It's about embracing that form of change that you've been resisting because you have some kind of a self-righteous hero narrative that you're the person that needs to hold it all together or you're the smartest person in the room, and if you don't do it, nobody else is gonna step up. Change is inevitable. And those of us that are faced with the prospect of running this thing day to day, at some point come face to face with the limitations of your own ability. No matter what your skill set is, you're either trying to be the genius with a thousand helpers, where you know at the end of the day, it all comes down to you. Give me the ball, coach, put me in. I'm going to be the one that's going to make the touchdown pass. Or you're trying to build something that's bigger than yourself. You've obviously taken the latter approach. You've put the systems and the tools in place. You've set your team up for success. At the end of the day, though, there's admittedly some anxiety that you've, that you've talked about. Talk me through communicating with the team in this final transition. Talk about handing off the baton how do you how do you walk through and navigate that process of making that that leadership baton handoff transparency honesty and um timing like we didn't tell the whole team right away um leadership team knew because there's preparations needed to be made the things needed to be in place well in advance right um we've had a long time, you know, a lot of discussion with the board who's going to be the right CEO, why it's going to be the right CEO, why John is going to step in and, and maybe somebody else. Like there are some, there's some thoughts about looking elsewhere for the CEO. And, and, and look, we all came to a resolution. Um, this was a process. It's, the process needs to start, you know, and Scott Fritz is going to talk about this PM Grow. If you guys are not going to PM Grow, maybe you can find him online. But he's going to talk about passive income and, and the, ch the choices you make, whether you want to be operate your business, exit your business, or be a passive investor in your business, right? And the team, the team heard from day one that there's an exit, right? And they didn't think this would be it, or this is the kind of exit, but um, most people 
basically, yeah, I wasn't, you know, weren't surprised, like, weren't surprised. Like, nobody, nobody was moping, there was no whining, there was, like, the, the, the leadership, the Michael and John thing is so strong that this was not a sad morning day for mm -hmm. the people of four and a half. Like, mm -hmm. nobody sat down with their heads down, had people tear up, come and hug me and kiss me, Teresa, thank you. And, you know, we, we, I had some emotional moments, but really, dude, next day, everybody's fine, working, operating. Back to business. Excited. Back I, to business. We're all, like, we're all excited. We run a very, very good culture and tight ship, and everybody's very, very tight with each other and helpful, and it's a big deal. Um, it's a big deal for them, but they're not surprised. So they know who I am, you know, and I've invested my heart and soul into it, and so there was not, this was not a big deal. You mentioned there was some back and forth. The, eventually, the the cho decision was made that John was going to step up and fulfill in this role. John is stepping up in a way, in some ways, that you didn't, in the sense that he's stepping directly into this EOS structure. What you stepped into from day one was just some cowboy whirlwind sort of thing. He is stepping into a system, the process, and program. And yet he's been there throughout this role. How, how long has John been there from day one? What's the timeline there? Yeah, he's been he's been so it's been seven years and four months. He's been there for six years and four months. So he's been it's been a long time. Talk to me about mentorship and having a number two. Working with somebody for that period of time, there's obviously a lot of trust, there's a lot of rapport that is exchanged. For folks that have a number two or they're looking for a number two, or they got a number three, a number four, a number five, and they're wanting to groom somebody into that role, what advice and what feedback would you have on how to bridge that chasm? You, you, want, to, you, you want to work with somebody who enables you. They're not, they don't necessarily need to be the genius. You're not looking for, like I can count everybody's faults. I can count John faults. I can count my own faults. I can count your faults. Of course. It's not that. Like, you and I, the reason why we're friends and we're good business partners, because why? We enable each other without disrupting. Mm -hmm. we, we challenge each other without being disrespectful. Like, that's a personal, I think that's just, I, I, and unfortunately, and maybe fortunately, we're not robots. Right? We don't just can um, look at skill set acquisition or speed to... Uh, training or anything, any of those metrics. You can't just put a scorecard on your number two <laughs> and say like so. No, personally, it's it's all about like, do they enable you to be who you are, and they take care of the bullshit. No matter how good or bad, it doesn't matter. You need to taking care of. If they're really bad, obviously that's not gonna work. But if they're willing to learn, and if they're willing to take this off your shoulders, and they understand who you are and put you in the lane, your unique ability, that's somebody to hold on to. That's, that's, to me, is number two. That's Jennifer Stoops versus, mm. you know, mm. uh, um, John Bradford, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's yep. his number two. Yep. She's, she's been, like, fantastic from what she said, from what he said. I've interviewed them both. Like, they, 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 they adore each other, right, in a lot of ways. They're friendly. That's, that's their connection. I think Jennifer had to learn a lot to become that person mm -hmm. for John. She was never not, like, she was never, she didn't come in an executive, and she is, right? She is now. And that's just how it is. John was never an executive. John was a film major, you know, and he he, he, he held some important jobs. Him and I worked in another company together. That's how I met him. But he didn't walk in there as an executive. Neither was, did I. 
We, we have to become someone else. So as long as they enable you, um, don't disrupt you, and respect, there's mutual respect, that's, that, that's, that's where you do it. So being a student of Dan Sullivan, the Strategic Coach Program is something I participated in that really resonates with me. The metaphor that you just, just made, John Bradford with, uh, with Jennifer, I'm thinking about TJ Hawk and Rob Coldwell, I'm thinking about Andy Moore and Jody. Jody, yeah. This, this counterpart role, the idea of protecting your ability to focus and unique ability, but also your entrepreneurial confidence. This is a concept that Dan Sullivan talks about that I really hadn't thought about a ton. I think early on as entrepreneurs, we think I got to do everything. It's a grind. It's a slog and I'm up for it. I will not be deterred no matter what. I'm just going to power through it. But over time, there's the realization that protecting your confidence as an entrepreneur, protecting your frame of mind is actually of quite a bit of significance because there's a significant creative element that comes from being in that visionary role. For you, part of what this looks like is knowing when your time is up and when it's time to transition and to do the new thing. I'm curious your thoughts on the future. There's different types of companies. We've talked about bootstrap versus funded versus the spectrum in between. There's no right wrong here. There's no moralizing, but I know you, I know the Bay Area, which is your hometown. Give me your thoughts on for somebody thinking about pure bootstrapping versus a little bit of debt versus giving up some equity, Angel, Series A. What is your advice on the match for temperament and aspiration in that regard? Go back to the why. Who are you? Why are you, is a better question, why are you doing what you're doing, right? What is the size of your dream? Size that dream, put some effort into it, put some numbers in the Model it out, forecast. Yeah, model it out, thank you. And then decide. Like for you, it's bootstrapping, you know. Initially, your dreams were probably a little smaller. Um, just you didn't know the industry, right? You didn't understand the size of it. And uh, frankly, when you started and I started, it was tiny. No doubt. Like, okay, there was 20,000 property management companies still. And back then, I mean, 40, okay, whatever. But only like 3% of them were saleable. Right. Right. <laughs> like right. even open to any kind of like technology or, or, or new processes. So I think it's the size of the opportunity, Jordan. It's simply that. Once you understand your why and you size it properly, you decide how quickly, like it, you know, it size the opportunity. I'm, I'm just saying that for simplicity because the, the factors, right? How fast you want to get to market? How many competitors are also doing what you want to do? Like what is, how unique your idea? If your idea is so unique, like four and a half, believe it or not, was such a unique idea when I started. Nobody did it for four years. Four and a half needed an entrepreneur, a hustler mm -hmm. to push Cowboy. to push this company forward, to justify our existence to customers. Yes, you need to pay $599 a month to get reputation, content solved. You have to. You can't not do it. And now you're thankful you did, didn't you? Don't you? Right? But now you have to pay a lot more, right? It's just there's more, it's more competitive now. It's different now. So four and a half can tell you what you need to do. But now it's like there's all these competitors, like it's it's now known. Hmm. Everybody needs marketing services. I'm gonna choose this versus that. Before yeah. it was yeah, nothing yeah. versus, right? And so now the entrepreneurship part 
is done, we need product and operation focus in four and a half. And that's what's happening. Product and operation focus. Mm. But if your dream is to build a company where market does not exist, mm. funding is, I think, a necessity, unless you want to slog it. Unless you want to be a clown and an idiot like me for a long time. Dude, a long time. I didn't make any money for a long time. Right? You're just spearheading something that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you'll see some people gathering behind you, but you're basically riding, riding forward on a horde by yourself. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough for a DeHo, for sure. I definitely agree with that. What do you think? You know, I agree. You got to know your lane. You got to know your aspiration. There's no right, wrong. You got to know what's a fit for what you're trying to accomplish with your life. I mean, for me, where I'm at, I'm trying to decouple effort from results. I want to get off of thinking that the fantasy that Richard Branson is a hundred times more successful for me and therefore he works a hundred times harder than me. Clearly that's not the case, right? That, that, that example breaks the rule of this mindset. But for me, it's about transitioning to getting on the a who track and a who problem and off of the what and the how. I have a business coach, as you know, it's been impactful for me. One of the things he talked about me early on was the difference between mechanics versus intention. The mechanics is the article that you read, the 10 growth hacks, etc. The intention is what are you committed to? And he asked me at one point, he said, Jordan, if you were to weight the difference in impact in terms of the outcome, what percentage of the outcome do you think is determined by the mechanics, the strategies, the tactics, and what percentage is determined by intention, i.e. your commitment? And I don't remember what I said at the time, but I think I, I, think I said 90-10 towards 90% of it being intention. And he said it's 100% intention. The truth is, where your commitment is, when the commitment is there, the mechanics will figure themselves out. The question that I have for you, Alex, is my belief is that thinking is the handmaiden of attention. When, when your attention is focused in the right place, the results, your effort, your innovation will show up. When your attention is in the wrong place, the thinking of all these strategies is going to be futile. Where would you advise our listeners, seven years in, you've been doing this for a while, man, for somebody that wants to aggressively grow profitably, for somebody that wants to live the entrepreneurial dream and to have freedom, let's get off of the, where do I get leads from? How do I do SEO? Is it Bing or is it Google? If we get off of that and we talk about high level, attention as an entrepreneur where would you advise somebody to three step process attention? three step process pricing strategy key differentiators of the business and a plan to execute as well as metrics so plan to execute with metrics and continuity in following up making sure everything executed that is the three three-piece magic. Pricing output number one because everybody gets it wrong. Everybody. There's amateurs. Rampant. Everywhere. Every, okay? Everybody gets it wrong and it is one of the most highly determinative factors in your ability to capture revenue. One second. You're absolutely correct. Everybody gets it wrong 
I'm not blaming everybody. I'm saying we don't experiment enough to get it right. Opportunity. Huge opportunity. There needs to be a, a path of experimentation. That's your demand lever as a business owner. You have that control. Nobody's doing it. Everybody's like some people are talking about it. It's too complex. Oh, I got to change my software. I got to. Come on. Throw up a landing page. Throw a couple grand a month at EOV or AdWords and get real data on what works. Then adapt it company-wide. You know, am I going to teach you? Simple, right? Experiment. Pricing, the second aspect is, like, who are you? Like, I speak to thousands of companies, thousands, Jordan. Everybody has it differently. Everybody does a little bit differently. Everybody has a little spin on their thing. They have a little pocket of knowledge that nobody else has. I guarantee you this, dude. I guarantee you everybody has that. Like even the lamest freaking vanilla, most vanilla company has this little pocket of knowledge not being explored right now. Because why? Why? Dude, I, I'm, I'm, off, I'm, I'm with a couple beers in, but I'll tell you the truth right now. Why is because you are afraid to alienate some potential customers. You don't want to niche down because it's scary. Because you think, okay, if I focus on this particular customer and this particular customer only with my value propositions, I will disconnect all these other customers who I'm signing up and making money. They're making me miserable, but I'm making money off of them. So I can't do that. I gotta be vanilla. Mm. And if you're vanilla, mm. if you're for everybody, you're for? Nobody. Correct. And so that's number two, courage to build those differentiators and niche down. And again, you're not locking yourself down you can always experiment with that but typically i can flash that out and get that out pretty quickly and the last thing is build a plan to go after the perfect client with the perfect messaging and the perfect pricing Ta-da! you can end here put a ball on it put a ball on it you got it i think that was good man i think it's time for us to drink one more in peace and quiet off the cameras and you and i can talk a little my bit man more. i am honored that you oh, came on great interview thank you this has been a, a special journey with i you. have a relief i feel a relief man <laughs> over the years i'm proud for you of what you've built i'm proud for this company that you've chosen to have to value over your ego could have been the alex osinenko show you've chosen to prioritize the company it's it's customers and it's employees over yourself and you're the one splitting out waiting in the chaos good luck hope you're going to figure it out i know that you are but you're choosing to take on that risk while the company is stable mature you slogged through the desert you came out the other side and uh i know the company has a bright future with leadership and structure and best practices and i know you do as well i appreciate you being candid you coming on to share i'm excited to see what's next for you and i just want to honor the commitment and the intention that you've made to people in this audience to add value man it's easy to come out and shill the hawk product to sell ebooks it's harder to be invested in relationships and to put yourself in a place where you're vulnerable it's one of the things that i love about this industry if you do wrong by these people in this industry they're going to tell each other and your house is going to get burnt down in short order to be here for seven years, seven years later, and to have been through that journey. It says a lot, man. I appreciate it, Jordan. It's been, um,
been a privilege to have you as a friend. I'm really glad that um, I'm real glad that we've uh, were able to connect and and make this into a friendship that actually benefits a lot of people. Like it's there's a lot of things we do under under closed doors, and they're not the kind of things that people usually do under closed doors. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Conniving, and it's like no, we put a freaking summit together. I mean, look, this is I was gonna keep this on the table. And show look, this is this is my. These are my index cards that I'm preparing introductions because we are seeing the conference. This is day one introduction. Um, this is like uh, thank the sponsors card. This is uh, you know about Andy Moore. He's been a 14-year police officer. I have all the love. You know I'm prepared. I, I give. I, I don't want to come out on stage and give you excuses. Behind closed doors, Jordan and I just work harder to come out and look. Um, just look naturally good. Not nothing natural about this here. It's difficult. This is difficult stuff. That's right, man. We got our it's baby. Working. We're birthing one more baby. <laughs> Year number three, man. We're about to get back up uh, in it. There's nobody I'd rather do it with, my man. All right. All right. Very good. We're gonna see you guys there live. Some of you guys will watch this after the fact. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, let's stay in touch and let's keep following. The career of another veteran, another industry veteran launching off into something new. Thanks, you guys, for being with us. See you guys at the summit. Lots See of love. Be well. See you beyond. Thank you.